0: Hello everyone, hello everyone. Welcome back to episode two of Take 15 with Dean. If you're following along or if if you're keeping up with us from the first episode, I appreciate you coming back. If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Dean McKinney. I am an author, author, author. I have a hard time with that word. I'm an author and mentor uh, here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And I just enjoy having a platform where I can sort of get some of the craziness that I see in the business world out of my head so that it doesn't drive me crazy. Um, When I'm not doing this, I am spending time either researching or writing my next book. So you all get the benefit of a lot of the information that I come across as I'm developing that material. So we'll keep it short as always. The idea is just to keep you here for a little bit of your day, not the whole day. Just enough to give you something to think about and then let you get back to what you gotta do. Uh, today we're going to jump into something a little different i wrote about this uh, a while back but it came back to mind because i tripped across the video on youtube which helped me think about it again i figured this would be a good time to revisit it so today we're going to talk about what i've figured out to be a leadership lesson from the seminal jazz album kind of blue now if you're a music lover there are a few recordings that you listen to no matter what time of day, month, or season it is. It's just those, there's a couple of things, or let me say, there are a couple of types of recordings, songs, or albums that you can just throw on and listen to. Now, if you're deeply a music lover, like I consider myself, you know the backstory to those recordings. You know what studio it was recorded at, you know the instruments, of course, you know the musicians. Who has the masters? Who was the engineer? Did it take one session? Did it take two sessions? Are there any unreleased recordings from that session? Whether or not anyone else in the world is ever going to get to hear them. You know all of that. Well, for me, Kind of Blue is that type of album. And when I say album, I mean album, like literally in vinyl, it's that type of album. Uh, Recorded in 1959 by Miles Davis and what might be the greatest quartet ever put together. Um, So it's Miles, then you had John Coltrane on tenor sax, Uh, Cannonball Julian Adderley, or Cannonball Adderley as he's known to it, on alto sax. Bill Evans on piano, Paul Chambers on the double bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. I think there was a little bit of, uh, Bill Evans and someone else may have uh, Sort of shared roles for piano, but that was basically the core of this particular group, and recorded it basically over two nights, two separate nights in 1959. Um, they cre- ended up creating what is arguably the most popular jazz album in the world. It's one of the best-selling jazz albums in the world. Although I think Dave Brubeck's Take Five is still the number one jazz single in the world. But this is the kind of music that can help you if you've never, if you wanted to get into jazz, this is the kind of album that you can put on and listen to and actually take your first sort of steps into jazz music. Now, each of the people that I mentioned are musical titans in their own stand. Of course, Coltrane and Miles would go on to become something that stretches beyond music in most cases, but this is a rare group of individuals coming together to do something very rare. Now, here's what we know about the album. Miles brought these men together because he was looking at new ways of recording and playing music. Instead of writing out each song note for note, he wrote out tones or modes or sketches for each song and this was the foundation that was going to allow each musician a base to build their individual solo pieces on. In jazz there'll be a, you know, sort of group, there'll be a song or a part of a song where every musician gets a couple of moments to themselves to to do their own solo thing, but usually the rest of the song is very well structured and their uh, improv- improvisation is still structured, right? miles was looking for a way to change that if not just completely get rid of it um what he did what they ended up doing really i don't want to say broke the mold but it it opened up doors in such a way that people didn't have to write and play music in the traditional composition anymore so what miles ended up doing was allowing these musicians to showcase their talent Without the restrictions from the standard 16 bar music structure there are a ton of videos on YouTube if you want to delve into the 16 bar structure and jazz composition I'll leave that for people who are far more uh, skilled at that conversation but just understanding what miles did was basically I don't want to say obliterate but he basically put that standard process to the side and came up with something different Now what's also unique here is that he didn't write the music so that he would be the star uh, musician. Though it was his band, he didn't write it so that it only highlighted his talent. He wrote it so that when everyone got their opportunity to shine, they would be able to do so in a real sort of organic way. Now, there is a video, it's a pretty grainy video of these men playing live. It's probably one of the few times you'll see the quintet actually playing the song live. And as the song gets started, once Miles does his piece, he actually steps out of the spotlight, literally removes himself from center stage, if you will, and steps off to the side to have a cigarette. While he's gone, then each person in the band gets their opportunity to play and in the band. Of course, the camera follows them. So Coltrane, Bill Evans, Cannonball Adderley, everybody gets their opportunity in the spotlight. And Miles literally gave them the the physical spotlight by stepping away. So he allowed these folks to shine when it was their opportunity. So here we have five jazz greats, each with a little bit of a different style and almost a blank canvas for them to display their talent. And the best part is the composer was willing to be part of the team instead of standing out from the team. So Miles as the composer, knew what each person's talent was, knew what they could bring to the song or to each song and ultimately to the album. And then he wrote the music to allow that to happen. Now, you would think for this music to turn out the way that it did, there would have been several practice sessions prior to the recording. In truth, as it's told, there were none. Uh, Basically what happened is they walked in cold, Miles gave them the outline and the tones or these moods and these gentlemen went to work and what really makes this album so spectacular is that they got everything in first take first time out so this is back in the day of analog recording so for those of you who don't know about analog this is when people recorded the tape Uh, and you couldn't just go back and stop hit pause or or, or use your mouse to cut out a bad section and then re, re record that session, section. No, if you had a bad section, you had to stop, put in a whole new tape, and start all over. What these men were able to do, given the direction, if you will, from Miles, is, is really spectacular in that they got this in two sessions straightforward. There was no dubbing, they didn't have to go back and redo anything. One shot record. That is what adds to sort of the folklore of the music. So when you think about what came out of it, it's what most musicians probably dream of, right? It's music that has transcended time and absolutely refuses to age. It is now inside the Library of Congress's National Recording Register. And that's not something that happens with all the music gets released. You have to, your music has to be at a certain level to even, be considered much less accepted into the Library of Congress, recording registry. And honestly, I don't think you could recreate today what they did, even if you were to take the top musicians, I don't think you could do it. This was lightning in a bottle. This is a once in a lifetime thing. Now what does this mean, right? We're talking about music, but what does this mean from a business standpoint? Let's look at it this way. Miles put together a group of men who knew the goals they were working towards as a group and they placed the team goal higher than any of their individual goals or desires. Now of the people he brought together, Train is the one who was most likely going to uh, stand out outside of that quartet, but any of the other people, an opportunity to play with Miles is a great opportunity to shine and open up a lane for yourself. But what they did, they understood what he was attempting to create and they played their role inside of that creation. So very simply put, Miles picked the right people, he gave them the vision, he trusted in their talent and their skill, and then he let them do what they do best. Now, think about this way for your team or your department or your division. Here are a few questions for you to ask yourself. Have you created an environment where everyone has the opportunity to play to their strengths? I remember at the top I said, this is what, these are the leaders, sort of the leadership lessons I learned from this. So have you created an environment where everyone has the opportunity to play to their strengths? Or have you created an environment that stifles everyone else while your contributions remain front and center? Have you chosen the right people so that when you step away you know that the band won't miss a step they won't miss a note things have shifted we're working from home now so people stepping away is a little bit different if you absolutely have to take time away is the band is your team ready to fill in and still perform at the level they need to perform in your absence Hmm. or Did you just go the path as everybody else who's hired before you and just hire a group of people who can come in, who can punch on the clock, who can get the work done. Everybody looks good on paper, but the moment something critical comes up and when you're absent, the team absolutely falls flat. How did you structure your team? Who are the people? Are the team members willing to play a specific role if necessary? Or are we going to have a case where their individual desires for success and greatness can become an obstacle? Now, all leaders, good or bad, at some point have to come to grips with these questions and answers. The most successful have found a way to navigate these really tricky waters. Now, as I understand, Miles was not always the easiest person to work with. I understand he was a rather difficult man in general. He rubbed people the wrong way, from what I understand, while pursuing what he saw as his art. And when you think about that, that is another piece that helps this really stand out, is that a man who was known to be brash, I guess, downright sometimes offensive to people, or let's say at least difficult to work with, was able to almost, if you will, humble himself for this larger goal. He could have picked anyone in the world to work with him. I'm sure there would have been hundreds of musicians who jumped at that chance. But he picked musicians who he knew had talent. Could bring something unique to the project. And also gave what I've heard one person describe as a little bit of artistic tension. Right. So that they didn't play him hit him. They didn't play his way. They played their way. And it's in the mastering of that tension that gave birth to this remarkable music. Miles could have had anybody come play with him. He could have told them, hey, play exactly this way in this space, and they would have done it. Wouldn't have been any problems. But again, he was willing to humble himself, if you will, in such a way that he knew that these people that he was bringing on were going to bring something else. And so what he allowed them to do is bring what they do into that space. Now, are you capable as a leader? Are you capable of doing the same thing and seeing the larger picture? Or are you gonna be so focused on what it means to you in that five minutes right in front of your nose that you miss an opportunity to do something remarkable with a good group of people? When you assemble a top-notch team that delivers, the right people will always take notice and you will eventually be rewarded for those skills, right? There is there is a payoff in being able to assemble a team and having that team be your legacy rather than you yourself being a legacy. So here's what Miles taught me with this album. Know what you want and know who can help you get it. If it feels like you're going against the grain then that's probably a good thing. And don't be afraid to incorporate people who use different methods to achieve their best one, right? Give them the necessary direction and only the necessary direction. Trust in their talent and character that they will deliver for you. And if you're a good judge of those traits, you'll be absolutely fine. If not, hey, we all crash and burn at least once. And then finally, and most important, there's enough room for everybody in the spotlight. Great things happen when great people create great circumstances. And you really need no more proof of that then the two nights in March and April of 1959 at the Music Studio on 30th Street in New York City. Now, if you like music, I highly recommend you go check out the music. The Kinda Blue is the album, is six songs, about 45 minutes, but it is absolutely beautiful to listen to. And from there, take your, thir- your journey through Coltrane, Davis, Bill Evans, Cannonball, Adderley. Hopefully it'll become a platform to launch you into more music. If you can take in, you know, if you're willing to listen to something different. But once you listen to the music, understand who each of these particular musicians are. Think about, again, what it takes to create the environment for these musicians to end up doing what they did. And how can you take that and duplicate it to some extent in your office? How can you duplicate that in your small business? How can you duplicate that inside of your team? understand the benefits of being the person who's known for creating the team has just as much value as being the person who's the star of the team so once again thank you for checking things out here with me at uh, take 15 with d you can always get to me through anchor Uh, there's a nice little feature where you can leave a message so if you like what you heard leave a message if you have questions or feedback leave messages Uh, you can shoot uh, messages through the Instagram or Twitter, which is 23rd A-N-D Parkway, PKWY, so 23rd and Parkway. Uh, We're available on Spotify, Anchor, and most of your other favorite streaming platforms. So thanks a lot for stepping in again, and I'll talk to you next week.